Well, good morning on this beautiful day, this Friday in the 13th week of Ordinary Time, but most importantly for us here at St. Thomas, the feast day of our great patron, St. Thomas himself. I also extend a, a welcome to the Jacobson, Fredrickson family who join us here, filling a pew. We love to see that. After this Mass, we will joyfully celebrate a convalidation and a baptism of young Grayson here and uh, convalidation for Grayson's parents and his baptism into the faith, the very faith that our patron Thomas helped promote in his ministry throughout the world. We know a little bit about Thomas. He's uh, most likely of Syrian descent because his name Thomas, Thomas is, a, is a name of Syrian ancestry. Didymus is the Greek name for him, the twin. We don't know who his twin was, boy or girl. That, that's unknown to us at this time. And in understanding his life, uh, of course, he's known most notably in history as, quote, the Doubting Thomas. Contemporary society applies that name. Don't be a Doubting Thomas. But that's not a full analysis of his name and a full study of his name. We have from John, of course, this passage today. Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. This is, of course, Jesus' first reappearance to the disciples after his resurrection. And Thomas is off somewhere else. We don't know where that somewhere else is at that moment, but it's a week later and Christ returns again. And Jesus, we're told, admit, uh, admits himself into the room. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and this time Thomas is with him, and Jesus came. And although the doors were locked, he stood in their midst. So this resurrected corporal being Christ in his glorified sense now enters the room. And we don't hear any other salutation other than this. Peace be with you, he says to those gathered. Put your finger here. He looks at Thomas. Put your finger here. Our Lord, not present in that dialogue that had taken place a week earlier, but fully aware of the questions that Thomas has, invites him to come forward and put your finger here, he says, because Thomas had said, unless I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. And he does. Thomas looks up and answered, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. That's a very important testimony to us because this man profiled in doubt actually becomes one of the most confident affirmations of our Lord as God, our Lord and our God. Interestingly though, it's important always to understand the totality of a person. We don't take one quote out of context, do we? We have to look at the totality of a person's life. And let's do so for our, our inspiration, Thomas. We have to go back to the 11th chapter of John. And there it's the raising of Lazarus. Dear, dear friend of Jesus, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Lazarus is reported to have fallen ill. Mary and Martha come to him and says, Lord, you, you must come. My, my brother is very sick. And Jesus delays, delays two days before he returns and goes to Bethany. So he then, then, then does go to Bethany and he's told en route that your friend Lazarus has died. And Jesus comes to him and Jesus says, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I'm going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he's asleep, he'll be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death while they thought he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died. And I am glad for you that I was not there that you may believe. 
Thomas then says, let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also to and die with him. Because it's the raising of Lazarus that breaks the camel's back, if you will. It's the final straw that entices those who are uh, acrimonious and antagonistic to Christ to put him to death. It's this raising of a man from the dead that finally does it. This is the act that does it, is raising Lazarus. And at that moment, that moment of need where Christ knows this is going to do it, Thomas is the one who says, let us go and die with him. That is our Thomas. After Christ's resurrection and return to glory and his ascension into heaven, the disciples then are dispersed. We know that through history. Thomas heads south. So historians note that Thomas headed south and he sailed down the west coast of what is today India. And he made his way ashore and inland and he establishes 11 churches in India in his lifetime. We don't have a date of his death, but it's before Peter and Paul. We don't have a date of his death, but it's probably in the 50s AD. We don't have a date, but it's probably in the 50s because there's secular acknowledgement of this great witness and evangelist for Christ working in India. One of the then known provincial governors speaks of it in his journals. He talks about this man, Thomas, and the work that he's doing. And to this day, there are uh, on the southern southwest coast of India, various communities that speak a dialect of Syriac, which is impossible to understand why that would be on the southwest coast of India, but it's a dialect very much in alignment with a dialect that would have existed 20 centuries earlier in Syria from where Thomas most likely originated. So there's beautiful outworking of truth and history. And how do we explain that? Well, probably because Thomas was there. We here at St. Thomas have the great privilege of a relic of his here encapsulated below that beautiful statue. Uh, he died in India. He's martyred, hence we wear the red of the martyrs today. He dies in India and then in the city of Miliapur, Miliapur if I say it correctly. His cremains are then taken to uh, Edessa. And from Edessa, it's an island of Chios, which is near uh, Crete. And from Crete, he is taken to the Arabuzi, which is part of northern Italy. So we here have handed down through our ancestors of faith a relic of St. Thomas, the same St. Thomas who put his hand into the side of Christ. That is what we have here as a great privilege I had other commentary prepared for this morning about Thomas and interpreting this gospel, but about 15 minutes ago, Andy was giving me <laughs> an update. Gosh, it's beautiful. So two years ago, you all at St. Thomas decided to help support a community in Honduras. And over the last several weeks, many of you have stepped forward to help them because their summer is very hard. They, they are in great hardship. And the people of St. Thomas and Coeur d'Alene have stepped forward along with the people of Pope St. Pius, St. George, St. Joan of Arc to help this, this uh, society, this community that's down in the mountains of Honduras. And Andy came in early this morning and he sent a photo of this table with the Thomas statue, candle, and relic. He sends it down to the missionaries who work in support of that community 
That community is up on a hilltop. So one of those, a couple of them, I guess, Andy, several. several of them have cell phone service, people that serve that community. And Andy sends the photo, well, they send back an affirmation. And they are uh, sent a picture of their statue that matches our twin statue that Andy sent down this morning. And what were the numbers you said? It was a, we raised enough money for 155 families. 155 families. We were trying to support 90 or so, 98 families for two months because, they're, because of COVID, they can't export their beans. There's some other issues going on, of course. But through your generosity, the people of Northern Idaho went over and above that, that ask and helped support this family. And today, through the wonders of modern technology, we have this connection of two communities separated by several thousand miles, sharing a celebration of our patron, St. Thomas, because they're their community is now the community of St. Thomas. That's their church. Sharing a photo of a statue of a patron in unity in our faith. That's what happened. That's real. It really happened. Peter says this to us. Although you have not seen him, the Lord, you know him. And even though you do not see him now, yet believe in him, you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy as you attain the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that's what's happening around the world, surely, but now with these two communities. I think you said they're going to try to live stream their mass. The, the people can't. The people don't have phones. They don't even have chickens. The people don't have phones. But but the people that are trying to help them, the ministry team is, so they're gonna to try to, they're having, mass right now. they're having mass right now as we're celebrating mass. I should just have you tell the story. <laughs> Come here. This is not the pro forma for a homily, but it's a great story. This is what Thomas would have done. So this is a commentary, not a homily. It's not even a reflection because this is an audible call. But it's a great story. Um, so yes, the, the, the community down there is, is so grateful for what we do. Uh, a little back history, before we came to them, a Canadian missionary was lined up to go down and help them, and like two weeks before their a destination arrival, they backed out. And this community was just totally struck to the heart. They said, people don't care. We found them, and when we said we're coming, they said, yeah, yeah, sure. And when we showed up, they were just completely overjoyed. And in Latin America, if you've ever seen how they party, uh, they, they had processions all the way through town, which is not a big town, mind you, uh, but it's about a three-quarter mile walk from the outskirts to where the church is. Uh, the streets were lined with all the school children that are in the area, because there is a school in Constellacion, um, and all the families welcoming the missionaries that came. Uh, they didn't just come to say, hi, let's help you do something. They brought the sacraments. So on that first visit, they had something like 22 baptisms and about a dozen confirmations. Uh, last year when they went, there were over 55 baptisms and I think 29 confirmations. So it's amazing that they've, they've opened up themselves to, the, to, to God. They know that everything that comes to them comes to them through the church. And so when we sent St. Thomas down, which I delivered to them last year, 
no different. Procession all the way through town, villages from all over came because they also saw the goodness that comes from our Lord through the church. And thanks to your generosity, our goal was 98 families. We were able to raise enough money to support 155. So the extra monies that we had went to uh, uh, Father Luis, who's in the small town of La Pera. It's only six miles away from Constellacion, but it's over an hour and a half drive to get there because of the roads. Uh, But Father Luis is then now taking care of the needy uh, within his community, those that absolutely have nothing thanks to your generosity. So uh, our circle of love, or the, the union of love, Union de Amor is the name of our mission group, is ever expanding. And that's all due to you and your generosity and your love for our brothers and sisters. So all I can say is thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eddie, for your work. Boots on the ground down there. Many, many of our people in the local community have gone down and helped out. Certainly Father Flores, Deacon Chris, and team done much down there. Conclude with this thought. Draw your attention to our eastern wall. Do you suppose it's an accident that the St. Thomas window is the only one illuminated at this point? You cannot make this stuff up. St. Thomas the Apostle.